Thank you for joining us today with Cindy Sherwood's podcast, Words for the Journey, Accepting God's Will, Part 2. Today we'll finish the story of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus that we began in Part 1. We left off with the question, so how do we reconcile what we know about God with the painful events of our life? To quickly recap, Mary and Martha's brother Lazarus became ill, so they sent for Jesus to come and heal Lazarus, but Jesus didn't come. In fact, he deliberately stalled for a couple days. When he did get there, Lazarus had been dead for four days, and Mary and Martha were waiting for Jesus at the edge of town with some questions. They truly could not make sense of Jesus' decision that led to their brother dying. They were very close friends, yet Jesus still allowed their brother to die. Why didn't he help them? Why didn't he use his power to spare them unspeakable pain? So let's state the obvious, given the facts. Jesus' goal was not to spare them pain and grief. That's always our goal because we're human. Pain hurts, so pain is bad, but this is not God's perspective. What do I always tell you not to do when you're struggling to understand something? Don't insert a lie or a false belief as a way of explaining it. It's better to leave the question unanswered than to malign the character of God, choosing to believe lies. Jesus loved this family, but he did not spare them grief and suffering. We have a hard time making those two facts line up. Everyone does, not just you and me. So where is his love showing up? What's the purpose of this? One of my greatest joys of my life was having a baby. I couldn't wait to get pregnant. My husband was in college, so after we were married, I had to wait for three years. But the time finally came, and I got pregnant. My due date arrived. It was Monday, October 16th. I had been in labor off and on for a couple days when my water broke, and I went into serious labor. As soon as Monday night football was over, my husband drove me to the hospital. They checked the situation and admitted me. Yep, the baby's ready to come. I was in labor all night. Morning came, and my labor continued all day Tuesday and all Tuesday night. First, they would give me a Pitocin drip to make the contractions harder and hopefully more productive. But because the pit drip made the contractions so much harder, I would get too worn out to continue. So then they'd give me morphine to stop the contractions so I could rest and get strong enough to keep going. But the morphine never quite stopped the contractions. Wednesday morning, the doctor said, enough of this prep her for a c-section i don't know if it was my determination or my baby's but at that suggestion everything started to kick into gear my daughter was born wednesday afternoon around one o'clock without surgery having my daughter was one of the greatest joys of my life however it was preceded by 42 hours of terrible pain so why did i eagerly do it all over again three years later Because the pain is temporary, and it leads to life. 
After my daughter was born, the pain instantly became irrelevant to me. Who cares now? I have two wonderful daughters. In the midst of Mary and Martha's painful event, Jesus was glad because he knew an event was about to take place that would lead to life, that would reveal two very important things about God, and not just for Lazarus. Number one, his power over all things, even death. And number two, his desire to use that power to help us. God's plan is always to bring new life, but receiving life involves pain and suffering. In the case of receiving eternal life, Jesus Christ bore that pain and suffering. He died on the cross so we could live. However, in the case of living our life here on earth, the life he's planned for us, it involves pain and suffering that we bear. We suffer because of the prideful choices others make, causing us pain, but also because receiving the life God created us to live involves stripping away a lot of pride and false beliefs, things we don't give up easily. We tend to fight God all the way. We try to tell God his business. No, you're wrong, God. The way to life is not through death and resurrection. The way to life is through preventing pain and suffering. The Life Application Bible Commentary says, Our hope in Jesus does not insulate us from life's difficulties, but it does provide a way through and beyond them. That's so good, I think I'll read it again. Our hope in Jesus does not insulate us from life's difficulties, but it does provide a way through and beyond them. Jesus wants to move you through and beyond your pain, but he can't do it if you don't trust him. What did Jesus ask Martha? Do you believe this? Your painful events are not all about you. Jesus said in John 12, verse 11, For on account of him, meaning Lazarus, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. Resurrecting your life and setting you free is just the beginning. Once you are set free, he wants your life to display Christ's power and love. I wonder what God wants to display through your painful events. Was Jesus crazy when he told his disciples this sickness isn't fatal? Or does he know something we don't know? After all, Lazarus did die. When we are in the midst of our painful events, we often don't see any possibility of life coming forth. It does often seem fatal to us. This is the worst thing that can happen. I can't survive this. I can't take it. If you heard my story, you know I've had some pain and suffering in my life. You can listen to my story if you want the details, but here's a flyby. I experienced physical, spiritual, and sexual abuse as a child from my father, grandfather, and satanic ritual abuse. At 12, my older brother ran away and never came home. At 14, my alcoholic father left, plunging our family into poverty. I was sexually assaulted at school on my 15th birthday. At 25, after six years of marriage, my husband left me for another woman. I was pregnant and had a two-year-old. More poverty. At 26, I remarried, still making very poor choices. I married my therapist. That marriage was worse than the first. At 35, God led me into a brutally difficult nine-year 
healing journey to begin saving me from all those painful events. During that time, I was diagnosed with DID, dissociative identity disorder. Soon after that, my second husband had an affair and left. Poverty again. I had to move to find a decent job to support my teenage daughters. I later remarried, finally being healthy enough to make good choices, and found myself in a great relationship. But since then, I've experienced three suicides, including my stepdaughter, father, and grandson. It's been a rough ride, to say the least. I don't say any of that to make you feel sorry for me. I say it because of what I am about to say. I want you to know these things are not Christian cliches for me, nor are they untested theories. I've lived them. This is what Jesus says to us when we're hurting. I'm sorry you are in so much pain right now. I'm sorry you've been hurt so terribly. It wasn't my plan these people hurt you or that so many prideful choices would mar your life. But if you trust me, I can help you. I can take you out of this. I want to take you to freedom, to peace, to wholeness, to strength. Will you let me? Your pain isn't fatal. It will lead to life if you trust Jesus. Yes, it hurts, but pain isn't fatal. Will you let me heal you? I have all the power you need to be restored and resurrected. Will you let me do this for you? What is your painful event? Don't let it murder your identity. Don't let it murder your mind. Don't let it murder your heart. There's a remedy. His name is Jesus. But many of us are not sure Jesus really cares about us, that he wants to bother with our painful events. After all, I'm sure he has better things to do with his time. As I said, Jesus was willing to go back to Bethany to help his friends at the risk of his life. The reason he was hanging out on the east side of the Jordan was because they had tried to stone him last time he was in Jerusalem. Don't ever say to yourself, Jesus doesn't care about me. It simply isn't true. He gave his life for you. Back to Martha, she did believe in Jesus. She's the one who said, you are the Christ, the Son of God. When Jesus said Lazarus would be resurrected, she assumed he meant at the end of time. But she did not yet realize the extent of God's power. We think the hope and healing are far off. We don't realize his power to heal us now, to resurrect our hearts now. Why do we think we know what God is doing? Everybody in this story is frantically trying to figure everything out based on what they know. And we do the same. But guess what? We don't know everything. God knows more. And aren't you glad? There is a resurrection right now. You don't have to wait. Only unbelief blocks you from receiving it. Why do we say God isn't answering us? That's never the right answer. Why do we say God doesn't care about our situation? That's never the right answer. Why do we say God didn't show up on time? That is never the right answer. We honestly do not have the answers a lot of the time. But let us never answer our questions with the wrong answers. 
He is working in our painful situation. He does care. He always shows up on time. When Mary said in verse 32, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She had the wrong perspective. Yes, they had a terrible event. Their brother Lazarus really did get sick and die. Yes, they needed Jesus. Yes, Jesus didn't use his power to stop the illness from killing Lazarus. But it is not true that he had abandoned them, that he didn't care, that he didn't hear their cry for help, that he didn't give them his very best. And the most important thing, it's not true that there's no hope. They allowed their limited vision to lead them to a false perspective on the matter. They assumed they saw everything, but they didn't see everything. They assumed they knew everything, but they didn't know everything. They assumed God let them down, that he failed. God never expected Mary or Martha to know or think or anticipate that Jesus might reverse Lazarus' state of death any more than he expected the Israelites to know they wouldn't be wiped out by Pharaoh's army because the next morning the Red Sea would part and provide a way out. Nor does he expect you to anticipate his plan. His only desire is that you will anticipate he knows, he sees, he cares, and he acts on behalf of those who wait for him. He only expects that we will believe him and put our hope in him no matter the outcome. That's what faith is. Habakkuk 3, 17 to 18, NIV says, Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Be with Jesus in your confusion and painful questions. Even when you don't know why things are happening the way they are, go through them with Jesus. Don't detach from him. He's your way out. Be with him in your questions and confusion and accept there will always be a gap between what we know and what he knows. Be with him in honesty in the full range of your emotions. Dump your load with him, whatever deep feelings you have. Rage, betrayal, disappointment, rejection. Be with Jesus in it. You never have to pretend or minimize or rationalize your painful situation. Your feelings are real and valid. Honesty is always your doorway to hope. Jesus is moved by our grief and sorrow. Back to John 11, verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, And the Jews who had come along with her also weeping. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. He has a heart that cares. Be honest, but avoid the pitfall of the bystanders that day. Verse 34. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? They blamed Jesus for Lazarus' death. If he loved him so much, why didn't he do something? Let's blame God. Isn't that our cry too? 
What's going on, God? I thought you loved me. We always want someone to take the fall for our painful events. The problem with blame is that it leads to bitterness. And bitterness is a preservative. If you want to make darn sure you never heal from your painful events, then find someone to blame and remain stuck there. So be with God in your emotional pain, in your mental torment, but also be with Jesus in truth. When you don't know what God is doing, go back to what you do know. Stand on foundations of truth, and it will give you strength to endure the darkness. Mary and Martha started with truth. I know God will give you whatever you ask. I know Lazarus will rise again. I believe you are the Son of God. All truth. But it wasn't truth when they said, If you had been here, our brother wouldn't have died. That suggests God's will wasn't done. That says Jesus failed to show up on time. That implies God somehow missed his window of opportunity. We can miss our window of opportunity, but God never misses his. Let's finally finish the story. Verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. All along, Jesus was doing exactly what his father wanted him to do. Even if Jesus had been in the house with Mary and Martha, their brother would have died because that was God's will. God had a greater plan going than anyone involved could possibly see. When Mary and Martha said Lazarus wouldn't have died if he had been there, they were stepping into the role of God. They were judging God, implying, you messed up. When we judge God, when we conclude our own false perspectives, we cut ourselves off from God, from his wisdom and power to work in our situation. We cut ourselves off from his comfort. Our unbelief separates us from our beloved. We say to him, you failed. You might be thinking, well, that's all well and good. Lazarus came back to life. Mary and Martha got their brother back. It's true. Some suffering ends in death. Sometimes the diagnosis does lead to death. Some things are not returned to us. But none of that diminishes the truth that God is good, that he is for us, and that he has a good plan for us. Instead of judging God, be with him in truth. This thing is ugly, but I know you see me and care about me and respond to me. I know you are here that you won't leave me and that you have a plan. 
Your ways are higher than my ways. Your ways are good. Open your heart and mind to the possibility God knows what he is doing. All scripture is from the 2011 NIV unless otherwise stated. Thank you for listening to Cindy Sherwood's podcast. Visit us on the web at hishealinglight.org to learn more about our ministry. Please consider rating us on iTunes or your other favorite music app. God's best to you today.